What a sweet spirit of the Lord that I feel in this house this morning. Praise the Lord. As you return to your seats, I believe I do have a word from the Lord for this church. I do believe that God has given me a specific word for this church. And I am humbled and honored to be standing before you this morning. I give honor to your pastor, Pastor Gilbert and Sister Ginger Gilbert. Praise God. It's so good to see Amiris, Tate, Creed, their younger brother. I'm so glad. Happy to be a part of the family of God. Amen. Bishop Gilbert, Sister Gilbert, God bless you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And to all the ministry underneath the sound of my voice, thank you so much for every part that you play. Hasn't this music team led us right into the very presence of God? Some of you may not know this, some of you may, but it takes more than just showing up to church to make it happen. Church doors open at 7.30 and all of a sudden the music team's here trying to get ready to usher in the presence of God and the preacher's preparing and there's people that are outside directing traffic and there's people opening doors, there's people running the coffee shop, there's Brother Gary back there running all the meat. I mean, it's just not just show up, let's have a good time. It takes work. I said it takes work. It would not happen if it were not for you, the people of God. I give honor to you this morning. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 22 is where I'm going to take your attention to this morning. And as you're turning there, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be here. Your pastor could have asked anyone to come. The messages that have been preached across this sacred desk are ones that I'm not worthy to preach. But I'm so thankful to be a part this morning. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, it's rather a a lengthy reading, but I feel like I need to read the entire thing. I'm going to read 1 through 12. The Bible says this, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, everybody say tempt, Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, And get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham arose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I with the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they both went together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Everybody say lamb. For a burnt offering. Where is the lamb, Father? And then he said unto his son, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, 
And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and Isaac his son, and laid him upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither thou do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou would not withhold thy son, thine only son, from me. This morning I'm not reading a text that is not familiar to you. I'm not telling you a story that you do not already know. But I've come to tell somebody today that it's time to stop asking God questions. It's time to heed to the word of the Lord. I said it's time to heed to what God's speaking in your spirit. This morning I'm going to preach on this simple topic. No questions asked. No questions asked. I want you to put your Bibles down. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand if it's appropriate. And I want you to raise it to heaven. And I want you to begin to pray like it's your last time to pray. And I want you to ask God to come down. Lord, I need your spirit this morning. Lord, I need you to come down and anoint my lips of clay. For God, I am not the author. I am merely a messenger of your faith. And God, I need your spirit to anoint my lips of clay. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, let the spirit of Almighty God be made manifest in this house. Lord, anoint the hearts, the minds, the ears. Let your spirit begin to be made manifest in this house. Let miracles, signs, and wonders prevail. And Lord, let your spirit fall. I want you to clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You can be seated in the presence of Almighty God. This morning it is clear to see that we are living in a crazy generation. A generation in which I'm sure that many of us thought we would never see. It is an ungodly generation, a generation with without morals, without self-control. But more than anything, we are living in a faithless generation. They do not fear God. They could care less about church. They do not want to believe in anything except for what they want to believe in. The people of today are raising their children to be doubters, to question everything because there is no truth except for what you believe to be true. They do not believe in absolute truth, nor will, ever, will they ever give it a chance because their minds have been tainted to think that they can believe, Brother Trevor, whatever they want and still make it to heaven. My parents were walking in the mall probably about six to seven months ago and they just happened to stop into a store and as they stopped into this store, there was a lady in there and she had saw something different about my father. And she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And he said, yes, ma'am, I am. And 
as he said those things, she said, well, I really don't believe in God. I really don't believe that you have to have faith in a higher power to make it somewhere after you are dead. And she said, I believe that you can look at that tree right over there and believe that it's your Savior and it will save you. We're living in a crazy world. I mean, if you look at a tree and say, that thing can save me. Look, I'm not saying you're weird, but you're weird. And so we're living in a world of fact checkers. Anybody ever been fact checked on Facebook? Oh, come on, don't look at, don't say, don't pretend like you ain't never had that happen. You ever looked at your Facebook and all of a sudden you, you're about to click on something and it said, this is not true, according to who? Who is the one who tells me what truth is on Facebook? I'm sorry, Zuckerberg don't hold the truth, everybody. Can I say that one more time? Zuckerberg don't tell me what the truth is. There's a black back book that tells me what the truth is. You see, here's the problem. We, as the people of God, have got to be the ones who will stand up for truth. There is, no, there is not a world out there that wants to stand for truth. They want to fall for whatever they think is right, but that's not the truth. You've got to stand up, and you've got to proclaim the truth. You see, the, the world that we live in would not believe the truth if you handed it to them on a silver platter. Even if they had all the evidence in the world to prove that it was true, they would still fight tooth and toenail. All because we are living in a generation of doubters. We've got social media now and everything's a lie. Everything. Here's the deal. One thing can be posted and the whole world flips out. We're all going to die. The, the, the sky's falling. And you know what would happen? We would have people go into their basements and they would start preparing for the sky to fall. Why? Because whenever the, so, whenever the world that we live in begin to tell you something, you believe it. Why is it that we as the church call into question every single thing that is stated in our world? Webster's Dictionary defines the word doubt as this. To call into question the truth of something. To be uncertain. Doubting is what causes us to ask questions. It is the thing that begins to send our minds into a place in which it does not need to be. Whenever we begin to doubt, we tend to lose sight of what God has really in store for us and it is plain to see that if the world is doubting, that the church should not be doubting. For we stand on the truth that is the word of God. And can I tell you, whenever the world is changing, you can stand on Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know why you're standing on social media, because they change every day. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. I'll talk to you over here because they didn't hear. Jesus Christ. 
You've got to put your faith and confidence in somebody uh, who you can take to the bank. I'm not going to cash a check that I know is not going to clear. But whenever I take Jesus to the bank, listen, I don't have to go through all these 15-step uh, processes of authentication and all that other jet. I just say, hey, his name is on my name. Whenever I sign his name on my checks, they clear. You've got to stand on what the world does not stand on. Whenever you stand on the solid rock, I feel the Holy Ghost. So why is it that we as the church have created a mentality of spiritual doubting in our lives some of us know that God has spoken directly into our lives and given us divine direction for our lives but yet we stand in the same spot every single day and we ask the same questions over and over again and you know we sit there and we say, well, Lord, I just don't understand why I have to do this. I don't understand why I have to give this person up. And I don't understand why I've got to cut this off. And I don't understand why this is happening. And I don't understand why I have to suffer through all this. And I don't understand the, the pain and the agony. And I just don't get it. But all the while, God is looking down from heaven and he's just saying, you asked me for a word. And I gave it to you. And you're not listening. God has spoken to some of you directly because you asked for a word. You asked for a confirmation. Huh? And all of a sudden, now that God has spoken, you don't want to listen. You see, God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a promised son. I didn't tell you he was going to stay your promised son. And then Abraham had to immediately act on what God spoke. You see, God would ask you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. Imagine that. If you thought that God was going to do a miracle in your comfort zone, you're absolutely crazy. Because do you realize that Moses was leading over a million people, Brother Trevor? And the Lord told him to walk up to a sea and say, Hey, just stick your stick out there. And the water's going to part. And Moses is like, Uh... You mean just walk up to it and just. You see, God asks you to do things that sound crazy to everybody else. But whenever you do what he says and stop asking questions, the waters start to part and the people of God walk across on dry ground. It's because whenever you don't ask God questions, God does something. God cannot take, test your faith inside of your comfort zone. And God cannot perform your miracle inside of your comfort zone. So the only thing that is separating you from the victory in your life uh, is the question that you are asking right now. If you will stop asking God questions about why and how come and I don't understand and you would just do what he said, uh, God would do the miracle in your life that you've been waiting for. In our text this morning, we read a very familiar story. It is not one that we have not heard before, but God speaks to Abraham. And 
God, God had really given Abraham everything that he needed once his he had his promised son. But once we get to Genesis chapter 22, we understand that the Lord does something that was kind of confusing and odd to the human eye. God begins to ask Abraham something that he did not expect. Genesis chapter 1 verse 22 says this, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell you of. You see, God told Abraham, he said, I want you to take your son, and I want you to get ready to sacrifice him. But I just want you to start walking towards the land of Moriah. The word Moriah means land chosen by God. He just said, I just want you to start walking in that direction. And I'm going to show you where you are going to go. And God had just spoken to Abraham and he said, I want you to pack all your bags. I want you to get ready for a journey. And I want you to start walking. And you see, now Abraham could have done a whole lot of things in this moment. He could have thought of a million alternatives I'm very sure I'm sure he was not the Bible does not list it but I'm sure he had some doubts he probably had some fears he probably had some questions in his mind but the Bible doesn't tell us that he asked any of those questions the very next scripture says this and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son enclaved the wood of the burnt offering. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him of. Not one time did Abraham ask God a question. Not one time did Abraham try to give God an excuse. As to why he didn't think he should do it. It did not mean that Abraham did not want to do what God said. But it just simply meant he trusted God in his perfect plan. It was more than just doing what Abraham wanted to do. He wanted to do what God told him to do. You see, Abraham knew that God was still in control. And you see, sometimes obeying God doesn't make sense. And, you know, sometimes you lay in bed and you cry yourself to sleep at night because of something that God told you to do. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only person in the house? You've been laying in bed and you're sitting there questioning God. God, how come my ministry is stuck? How come I'm losing my job, Lord? How come? Now I'm talking in your backyard. How come my family doesn't love me because I love truth? How come, Lord? It's not easy serving God. Sometimes you have to do something that doesn't make sense in order for God to all of a sudden begin to make sense out of your mess. Because whenever you obey God, you are obeying the only person who understands the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You see, we operate in this little thing called time. But God operates outside of time. He has no clock. He has no man standing. Oh, can I just tell you right now? Your God does not have a time schedule. He's always right on
You see, we get to the end of this story, and all of a sudden we, we find out that Abraham takes his son and he lays him on the altar. And as he lays him uh, on the altar, I can see it, his tears roll down his eyes. Uh, and he's scared half to death. He's like, my, my baby, this is my promised son. Uh, Lord, this is the only thing that you gave me. Uh, you promised this to me, Lord, and why am I having to kill it? Uh, I can see it as he raises the knife. Uh, he's scared half to death, but yet he's fulfilling the will of God. And all of a sudden, there's a voice from heaven that says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, Lord, here I am. And immediately the Lord, he says, touch not your son. Don't lay a finger on your son because now I know that you fear is God. Now I know that you love me more than anything. Look, can I tell you that sometimes God will ask you to lay something down just to prove to him huh, that there is nothing else in this world huh, that matters more to you huh, than God. Look, you probably lost your job huh, so that you could be at church on Sunday morning. Listen, it's not just what you want. It's about what God wants through you. You see, whenever, whenever Abraham, after he about to kill his son, the Lord did not only provide the sacrifice, the Lord also provided the blessing following the sacrifice. So you know what happens whenever you obey? You get provision and you get blessed. So you get more than what you bargained for. The Bible says this. And he said, the Lord told this to Abraham. By myself have I sworn. Say it the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing. He, he wasn't talking about the sacrifice he made two years ago. He was talking about this sacrifice. Because you had done this thing and not withheld thine only son, thine only son, huh? that in blessing I will bless thee, huh? and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. They didn't get it over there, but I'm coming to preach to somebody over here. Huh? If you'll lay down what God said, lay down, uh, you better get ready huh? because we serve the God uh, of the double portion. I just want to tell somebody this morning huh, that God is still able huh, to do exceeding abundantly huh, above all you could ask or think. Oh, can I just tell somebody, your answer's on the way. I said your answer's on the way. You don't have to look any further. The Lord is about to answer your prayer. But you've got to stop asking God why. And you've got to say, you got to start saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow. You want me to stop, I'll stop. You want me to step, I'll step. But Lord, I won't stop until you tell me to stop. Oh, Jesus. If God says give it up, it's time to give it up. If God says cut it off, it's time to cut it off. Because there is nothing worth missing out on what God has for your life. Listen, if you want to cry about your boyfriend or girlfriend breaking up with you, it's okay. We all been there. But don't dwell on it. And if you want to cry about this and cry about that and throw yourself a pity party, that's okay. It's a, there's going to be somebody come up and give you a big hug. Be okay, but 
You see, the Bible says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. Why are you crying whenever you should be standing up? Well, I'm glad Brother Trevor got it. But can I tell you, you cannot lay down and get a victory. You got to stand up and you got to say, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Okay, you want me to come to your backyard once again? It's okay, I'll tell you. The reason your ministry isn't prospering huh, is because you're throwing a pity party. And the reason why you probably hadn't got a raise on your job that you've been praying for because you're crying about the raise you got last month. And you, you're not satisfied with what God's doing right now. But can I get an Abraham that says, uh, he's still good in the morning. Uh, he's still good in the evening. Uh, he's still good at night. Uh, and he's still my God. Uh, and if I got to lay my baby down, uh, he's still going to be God. Listen, it's more than just saying, look, uh, I, I, I'm going to stop crying about it. Uh, it's about getting over it. The Bible says, any man having his hands to the plow, oh, and looking back. If you want your future to prosper, you got to stop looking at what's behind you. God is getting ready to do something in your life. Get your eyes off the past and start walking towards what God. You can be seated. Genesis chapter 6, we find another great man of God by the name of Noah. God looked down upon the earth and he, he saw it was corrupt. And this is one of the other times, that only one, of the, uh, the, one of the only other times that God ever repents for doing anything. He repented once whenever he made mankind because of Noah's generation. And then he repented again whenever he put Saul over the, as king of Israel. But in this time, the Lord looked down and he saw this world they're living in, I don't even know why I made it. Because Bubba is crazy. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Stuff I did not intend for man to do. And all of a sudden God looks down and he says, but there is a man. Listen, if you think that it's impossible to live for God in this crazy world and live holy and live righteous. There was a man. That in the midst of a world that was going crazy, Noah stood. Noah said, look, we're still going to live holy. Oh, my God, can I preach that? We're still going to live righteous. My family's still going to go to heaven. Oh, and then, and then Noah hears that voice of God. He heard that audible voice of God booming from where his prayer chamber was one day and God said no I want you to build me I want you to build me an ark of gopher now let's be, let's be frank Noah lived in the desert y'all he probably didn't even know what rain was and the Lord said I want you to build me an ark and the Lord said or Noah said a what and the Lord I can see the Lord as he's like it's a boat and Noah's like, what's a boat? <laughs> uh, I, I never heard of a boat, God. Um, as a matter of fact, i never even seen a body of water. I mean, we see the wells where we get our drinking water, but I, 
I don't even know where the biggest body of water is around here. But the Lord gives Noah specific instructions. He's, I'm going to read you. He said, make the ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and pitch it within and without pitch. And this fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of it 50 cubits and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark and the cubit shalt thou finish it above. The door of the ark thou shalt set the side thereof with the lower and the second the third stories thou shalt make of. Now you see, God gave Noah very specific instructions. He did not leave anything out. And you know, Noah could have given God a million excuses as to why he couldn't do it. Uh, listen, Noah couldn't just go down to the lumber yard and be like, all right, look, I need 16, 15 by 70s or whatever all you want to call it. I'm not a woodworker. It's okay. <laughs> he couldn't just go down to Lowe's and Home Depot and just say, all right, this is what I need. The Lord said, I need you to make it. He didn't say go and buy the kit. He said, I need you to make it. You're gonna, you're, I'm giving you the blueprint and you're going you're gonna to do it. And so Noah didn't have any questions. The Bible says that in Genesis 6 and 22, thus did Noah according to all that God had commanded him, so did he. Meaning Noah didn't ask any questions. And you want to know why? Noah did exactly what God said because whenever it comes to salvation, Noah did not need any more explanation. I don't think they heard me over there, brother. It's because whenever it comes to salvation, you don't need any more explanation. If the Bible says repent... It means repent. If the Bible says get baptized in his name, that means. If it says get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it means get the baptism. It's because whenever Jesus said you must be born of water and of spirit, that means there is no exception. Look, you cannot just come to church and say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I'm saved. Let's go. The Bible says repent. That means you got to turn around from your wicked ways. You can't live the same way you used to live. Oh my God. You got to turn around. And then the Bible says you got to be baptized in his name. Listen, I know somebody, I, I feel it already. Somebody's like, well, what about that scripture in Matthew 28, 19 where he, Jesus says, Go baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you not forget the word that he said before he said all those others? He said, baptize them in the name. Is Father a name? Is Son a name? Is Spirit a name? Listen, it's like you going to the bank, okay? And you're about to sign your check. Okay, I want you, next time, I just want you to try it. I want everybody to try it. Get your checkbook. Get your check, okay? And then you know the spot at the right-hand corner where you sign your name? If you're a father in the house, I want you to do this. I want you to write Father, Son, Spirit and go try to cash it. You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to be like, sir, this isn't a name. But you're like, well, I'm a father and I'm a son and I have a spirit. And they're going to be like, so what? What's your name? We were made in the image of God. Listen. Come here, brother. 
brother, brother Trevor does not have to consult with himself. He does not consult with his spirit whenever he makes a decision. Jesus does not consult with God. He is not subordinate to God. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Oh, it's okay. I know you're looking at me and you're like, oh, this crazy preacher up there screaming his head off. He don't even know what he's talking about. Okay, look, I'm just going to tell you what Jesus said in John 10 and 30. Oh, you're not going to like this scripture. Because Jesus said in red letter edition, I and my father are one. He didn't say that I got to go talk to my daddy to make sure. He said, I and my father are one. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I don't know. I'm off my notes right now, but I've come to tell somebody. If God gave Noah instruction, he's given us instruction. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. Let me tell you something. Whenever it comes to your family, you'll stop asking questions. You'll stop saying, well, well, that that Pentecostal church down the road, they're kind of crazy. And I don't like the way they shout. And I don't like the way they dance. And I don't like this. And I listen, it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. And I, I just want you to notice this in case you haven't. God told Noah to build an ark. The ark was a literal salvation piece to get him to safety. And God has given us an ark called the Holy Ghost. If you do not have the Holy Ghost, you will not see the kingdom of God. Jesus said you must be born of water and of spirit and without it you cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to be morbid but there is a devil's hell that is very real and you have got to be prepared. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. I've just come to tell somebody, you better get on the ark. Because the door is self-closing. And you're asking too many questions. And you're saying, I I don't really believe in that Holy Ghost stuff. And I just don't really understand why we got to do that to be saved. And Jesus is just saying the door's closing. The door closed. And the Bible says there were people who stood outside of the ark and they beat on the door and they said, let me in. And then Noah stood there and he said, I tried. Because the Bible says while Noah was going, as he was, as he was building that ark, the Bible says that he preached righteousness. He said, I, I, I proclaimed the word of God. I, I did what God said to do. I told you what you had to do to be saved and you didn't believe me. 
And now that the day of reckoning is here, now you believe me because you're outside of the ark. And one day whenever the trumpet sounds and every, every church goes up into glory and you stand gazing into the sky and you're begging God to give you one more chance because you asked too many questions and your family stood there and you know what they said, Daddy, how come you didn't lead me in truth? How come you told me they were crazy? How come? There is nothing worth missing out on heaven. I don't care how crazy I look. I don't care how crazy I sound. It is the unadulterated word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. If you don't have a family devotion time, I challenge you in the Holy Ghost. Sit your family down if it's for 10 minutes and you start reading the Word of God. If you don't believe what that preacher's preaching, look it up. Here's the deal. Bishop Gilbert, I'm so glad you're here this morning because, you know, I guarantee that everything you've ever preached is in the Bible somewhere. And you see, the problem is this. We've got apostolics who are like, well, I don't believe it that way. Okay, go home, buy KJV, simple, $15 at Walmart, maybe. And just turn to Acts 2.38 for yourself. And you just prove it. We got too many people who are trusting everybody else except for the words that are actually written by God. Listen, you're wondering why God isn't speaking to you? It's because you're not listening. Faith. Cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You want faith? You feel like you're stuck in your trial? Well, when's the last time you read a chapter in the Bible? You're sitting there coming, Pastor, I got so many problems. And Pastor's going, he's sitting there, oh, I told you the solution. Go home, pray about it, read your Bible. And all of a sudden, you'll start seeing some faith happen. And whenever you get faith, faith without works is dead. And whenever you've got faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. You've got to take a step of faith, and God will begin to work in your life. This, I'm coming to a close. I'm almost done. There is no other name. Under heaven. Given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way. No other gospel. In John chapter 2. We find a story of the disciples in Jesus. And the Bible says that there were. There was a wedding happening. And as the wedding is happening. Mary. Jesus' mother is there. And as she is there. You know, we, we've all heard this story. We, we understand that whenever you, whenever you begin to look at the story, you know that whenever, whenever a wedding is happening, there has to be wine. As you read all through the Holy Writ, you understand that there has to be wine. There has to be a form of joy, okay, quote, unquote. And as there is joy, they would serve the best wine at the first And they would serve the quote-unquote worst wine at the last. This is because the taste buds were dull. 
there were no, they didn't have any more taste buds. And so they get to the end of this wedding. And all of a sudden they, they say this. They say, all right, last call. We're going to do it. Hostess gets up, walks back there to the back, goes in there to get the, the, all, all the servants are there, and they go and pick up all their deals. And as they pick them up, they, they walk out to the crowd, and all of a sudden they realize, whoa, there is no more wine. And right before they walk out, all of a sudden they stop, and they all turn back around, they go back in there, and they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Because if you run out of wine in those days, it could mar your name for the rest of your life. And the man and the woman that were about to get married, it could hinder their marriage. They could not get married if they did not have enough wine. So this wasn't just like you throw in a backyard party for July 4th and you run out of Dr. Pepper. You know, you just go down to old Dollar General down the street and you're like, oh yeah, let's buy 15 more of them bad boys. But this was a crisis. This was something that was in, this, I mean, you could not just recover. And so Mary is like, okay, well, the good news is Jesus is in the house. And all of a sudden, Mary's like, well, I know, I know that he's God manifest in the flesh, but I haven't, I haven't seen a miracle yet. And let's be honest, that's where we're at. I, I know that he's the king. I, I know that he's worthy. I, I know that he can work a miracle in my sin, but I haven't seen it yet. And all of a sudden, Mary's like, why don't I just see what Jesus says? She walks to Jesus and she says, Jesus, they've ran out, out, out of wine. Like, th there's no more. There, there, there's no more wine. And Jesus is a bold dude, okay? Because, look, I know it's cliche, but if I were to talk to my mama like that, he said, woman. He lit it, I looked it up in the NIV. They said, he said this. What does this have to do with me? Boy, can you imagine saying that to your mom? It'd be your last day on earth. You wouldn't be here. But Jesus said, what has it got to do with me? I guess because he was the son of God, it had a little bit to do with it. But I'm not the son of God. I'm the son of the one. So I would have been dead. So, brother, he... Mary... She said, I don't, I don't really care what he says. I still know who he is. And, and brother, you know, you know what she said? She walked up to all them servants. And she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know, she didn't, brother Trevor, she didn't say, ask him a million questions. Ask him why and ask him how and how he's going to do it. How much wine there's going to be. And how many cups to the penny are we going to be able to fill up? She didn't say that. She said, whatever he says to do, do it. The very next scripture tells us that as he does this, the, the very next scripture tells us there were six water pots, big water pots. And Jesus turns to those servants and he says, I want you to take every single one of them and I want you to fill them all up. You fill them to the brim. Very next line. And they did it. They did, Jesus, how, how, I don't understand why and how and how come. And, well, I just don't get it, Lord. Why? It's just water. 
then it just said, they did it. And then the Bible says that he said, take it to the governor of the feast and let him take a drink. Now look, the governor was the, he was the guy. If something was going wrong at the wedding, he could shut it all down. You don't just take the wine to the, you just don't do it. But Jesus, I want you to take it to him. And the very next, I know this is going to be a huge shocker to y'all. It's like we haven't been talking about all day. And they did it. And, you know, it, it's, it's so funny because whenever they, whenever they began to pour, the, the, but that, 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 that's just water. Well, what do you mean water to wine? Whenever you begin to do what Jesus said. You see, miracles happen. Miracles happen whenever you listen to what he says. And you know, it's more than just what your best friend told you to do. It's about what God said to do. And can I tell you, if you're not listening to your man of God today, you're in the wrong place. If your man of God is telling you to do something, you better listen. You better heed to the word. Because miracles happen. Whenever you speak Jesus, stand all across this house. You see, if, if, if Jesus, if Jesus would have been questioned, that entire wedding party would have lost everything. They would have lost their name. They would have lost their marriage. But whenever you listen to Jesus... Obedience is better than sacrifice. Did you hear me? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And some of you have been sacrificing a lot. Why would you sacrifice so much if you could just obey and get exactly what God said? Do you know that the will of God is better than anything you could ever think of? You have not thought about the greatest thing that God has in store for you. Our ways are not His ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So, I don't know why you think that by you thinking of all of your solutions is going to be better and turn out better than what God has told you it's going to turn out. God's sitting here and telling you exactly what you need. You need to stop living the way you're living. You see, the reason we don't like preaching is because it's confrontational. And we sit there and we're like, oh, I don't like this. This is, this is miserable. But it's by the foolishness of preaching that God would choose to save his people. It's because of the man of God that stands up behind this sacred desk every single Sunday and preaches to you the word. Can I just tell you this morning that in order for your miracle to take place, you have got to stop asking God questions. Hang on one second. Whoever's playing, can you just stop just for one minute? I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Let, let me just tell you this. That Noah was in the middle of a desert. Okay? Middle of a desert. As he's in the middle of the desert, do you think that he enjoyed being the only person out there beating on the ark with his sons? There's people walking by saying they're crazy. They've lost their mind. 
that I don't know why they go to church every Sunday. I don't why I don't know why they shout like that. I don't why I don't know why they live like that. Let me tell you something. You were meant to stand out. There's somebody in here this morning, and you are asking God, why do we have to why do we have to dress this way? Why do we have to live this way? Why is there so many? It's not rules, it's a fence to keep hell out. I said it's a fence to keep hell out. Look, you're crying about regulations, and God's trying to bless you. God's trying to show you you are meant to stand out. Better yet, I know I, I know I don't have you with me just right just just yet, but you will be. Every miracle that happened in Scripture, whenever Jesus was doing miracles, every single one of them required something out of somebody. Jesus walked up to the lame man and he said, "I want you to stand up and walk." Well, people look around at that and they say, "Well, Jesus, he can't stand up." What, what do you mean, stand up, Jesus? He's lame. And Jesus said, "I just want to see if he'll move." I just want to, listen, you stay in the same place you are is because you don't want to move. Jesus is telling you to get up and move. You want your life to change? You want your friends and family to come to the house of God? Change your ways. The man with the withered hand, Jesus walked up to him and he said, I want you to. You realize that if he would have never stretched forth his hand, he would have never got the miracle. And if you never come to the altar, you'll never get the Holy Ghost. You'll never get baptized in Jesus' name. You'll never see your miracle. Look, you can sit there like a bump on a log all that you want, but you will never see the, the plan of God come to pass in your life. So this is what I want you to do. As they begin to play, I want you to begin to think about what you, what you need done in your life. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, today's a great day to get it. But I want you to bring to the forefront of your mind what God has been telling you all week long. I look across this audience, and there's some of you looking at me like I'm crazy, but there's some of you got tears running down your face. You want to know why? Because God is telling you exactly what to do. And you know that he's been telling you what to do. And now you sit here and now you have to make a decision. Joshua told the children of Israel, he said, choose you this day. Tell me who will you serve. He drew the line in the sand. He said, you make a, you make a choice. You, listen, you can't ride the fence with God. You either got to be in it or you got to be out of it. Or else he'll spit you out of his mouth. Not only that, the spirit of God will not always strive with man. And every day that you wait is a day that you waste. And every day that you wait is a chance that you waste. Because there's going to be a day that you're going to come to this altar and the Lord's not going to answer. You're going to sit there and you're going to beg and cry, Lord! Listen to me. Listen to me, God. I'm crying right now. How come you're not hearing my prayer? And you're going to remember that still, still small voice that he spoke to you 10 and 15 years ago that said, I told you to give it. I told you to do right. I told you what you need, and you didn't listen to me. David was a man after God's own heart, but he still fell into sin. It was only because he found a place of true repentance. That he got back into where he needed to be with God. But it is whenever we have a fake repented heart and you think that you can just keep living the same way you've been living. And God's just going to come right back to where he was. God's speaking to somebody in this house this morning. you got to change your way. You're asking too many questions about why and how come and this and how come that. And I, I don't understand. You don't have to understand for God to be perfect. 
Everything that he does is for a reason, and it's for a season. Oh, okay, I'm going to say, it's for a reason, and it is only for a season. But you've got to trust him now. So at this time, I want you to close your eyes. I don't want anybody's eyes open. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to begin to think about what God has been speaking into your spirit. I want you to think about it, and I want it to get on the forefront of your mind. I don't want you to be thinking about anything else. I want you to think about it. If there's a lost loved one that you haven't witnessed to, I want you to think about it. If the Lord's been telling you in order to get your miracle, you've got to do this, I need you to think about it right now. And once you've got it in your forefront of your mind, I want you to begin to make your way to this altar right now. Listen, if I don't have anybody at the altar call, I know I'm going to be there because this message was for me. I want you to begin to think about it right now. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this house of worship right now. I don't know who you are, but God is speaking into your spirit. It's time for you to change your ways. It's time for you to get right with God. I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in this house. I, come on, Daddy. It's time for you to get a prayer life. Come on, Mama. It's time for you to start leading uh, the way that you need to be leading. It's time for you to change your life. Uh, listen, you wake up every single morning. I want every head bowed, every eye closed right now. You wake up every single morning with the same sin, the same cycle. And you're begging God and you're asking God why and you're under, you don't under, it's because you're not submitted. It's time for you to submit again. It's time for you to consecrate again. When's the last time you had fresh oil run down the top of your head to the sole of your, when is the last time you felt those hot tears course down your cheek? Your soul is hard before God. Your heart is hard before God. When's the last time you travailed under the, underneath the unction of the Holy Ghost? When's the last time that you felt His Spirit so strong that you could do nothing but weep? I'm talking about people who aren't willing to ask questions. I'm talking about people who want change. I'm talking to people who are sick of where they are at come on man of God rise up rise up man of God rise up woman of God young person you hear me you've got to submit today God's going to keep calling and calling until you answer and then one day he's not going to call anymore I challenge you right now to throw your hands up in the air and begin to pray. Come on, man of God, I see you. I know exactly where you're at. And God is begging you. Listen to my words. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. Come on, begin to weep and cry before God. Travail in the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's okay to let those tears flow. It's okay.
Come on, I'm going to keep pushing till everybody's praying. I said, I'm going to keep pushing till everybody's praying. a roar there is a roar of prayers that is going up in this house right now come on creed that's it come on wherever you're at they're about to sing they're about to sing wherever you are I want you to raise your hands right now come on I know it's scary and I know I know it's not what you're used to but I challenge you to raise your hands right now whenever you raise your hands you are in total surrender you are in to total surrender come on that's it I want you to begin to pray right now Lord search my heart forgive my spirit search me and know me oh God know the innermost part of my being search me oh Lord